Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Tuesday, July 11th, 2023, the Feast of St. Benedict. Today's reading is from the gospel according to St. Matthew. A demoniac who could not speak was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the mute man spoke. The crowds were amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He drives out demons by the prince of demons. Jesus went around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and curing every disease and illness. At the sight of the crowds, his heart was moved with pity for them, because they were troubled and abandoned like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. So I couldn't possibly think of a better gospel reading for the feast of St. Benedict. Jesus drives out demons, and Jesus promotes vocations. Let's talk about our saint for the day. He's one of my favorites. (laughs) I say that about 50 of them, but that's all good. They're our brothers and sisters that we're going to spend eternity with, and they're leading the way for us by their example and by their prayers. St. Benedict, there's a great book that's historical fiction, but it's, uh, you know, one thing we have to say about historical fiction is... um, It's part history. People say, oh, that was fiction. That's not true. Well, no. Historical fiction means it's a fictional story written about truths that happened in history, true events. Uh, Not every little tiny event is true necessarily, but there's a great author who does this with the lives of the saints, Louis DeWall, and he's written, I don't know, about maybe 15 books. And one of his greatest books is called Citadel of God. And it's the life of St. Benedict. And really, it's mostly based on the life of Benedict that was written by St. Gregory the Great, who was a Benedictine that became Pope. Uh, I think it was about two centuries after St. Benedict. The story goes that Benedict, as a young man, felt deeply a calling to serve the Lord. And it was at a time when Christianity was no longer being persecuted in the Roman Empire. So we're talking maybe 5th century. And in fact, Christianity had become the religion of the empire. And now the Christian, it didn't take long. I mean, it's amazing. When we think about what's happened in this country and, and just the recent events in the church of the Western world, the past 50 years, it doesn't take long for everything to fall apart. Uh, and it happens when the church gets wealthy and when the church um, starts working very closely with secular society and secular leadership. There's values there that don't go together. But when we try to put them together, everything falls apart. It doesn't work. The church needs to stay lean and mean. It needs to stay poor. It. I'm not saying I'm advocating persecution But when the church is persecuted, that's when the church is always the strongest. That's when the faith is the strongest. That's when we see miracles. So St. Benedict lived at a time when the church was very corrupt. It had become one with secular society. The bishops and the secular leaders were all buddy pals. Uh, 
and they went to all the same parties together, maybe even the same orgies. And St. Benedict felt a calling, but he said, there's no way I'm going to become part of this. There's no way I want to become a priest for a corrupt diocese. There's no way I'm going to place myself under the leadership of corrupt leaders who aren't following Christ, who aren't living the evangelical counsels of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And yeah, there's stories of him going to events where he thought he was going to uh, connect with people that would help him, and instead he was being hit on. Uh, women were trying to seduce him, all this kind of stuff. And that was a theme for him. He must have been a good-looking guy because that's a theme throughout his entire life. The women were always after him, even when he was in the monastery. So St. Benedict was um, you know, one of the founders, if not the founder of monasticism. I mean, there were monks before him. There were hermits before him. But he organized them. He founded monasteries. So to go on with the story here, he went out into the desert and he believed, okay, we need a reform, but the reform needs to be separate from what's going on. It's, it's too hard to just change it right there on the inside. It's a very interesting thought, once again, for the church of today. We need separate things, new things. You need to build the city on the hill so that those in the valley can look at it and say, oh, look at that. Isn't that great? Maybe I should go join that. Instead of trying to fix something that's corrupted at every level, and therefore uh, it's just, it, it doesn't want to be fixed, and everybody's going to just be against you. So he goes out into the desert, and he, he links up with some other monks that were already out there, starts living that life. They see just how zealous he is and what a good leader he is, and they start putting him in charge of things, and he's strict and he's striving to truly live a spirit of poverty like the early church and like Jesus. And so then they try to kill him. <laughs> the monks, I mean, these are monks. These are people dedicated their life to Christ. And now they hate him. They're so mad at him. And there's two different stories um, where one time they poisoned his drink. And he prayed as he would always do. He prayed over his food before he ate and the glass shattered and the poison spilled out. On another occasion, they poisoned his food. There was like a small loaf of bread that he was about to eat. And as he was getting ready to pick it up to eat it, a bird swooped down. This is why we often see Benedict in a statue or a picture. We see him with a crow next to him. There was a large crow that swept down, picked up the bread, and flew away with it and dropped it in the desert. <laughs> so once again, he was saved miraculously from being poisoned. He realized over time that this wasn't going to work, him trying to transform and reform the monastic life that was out there. So instead, what he did was he started to found his own. He founded his own monastery. And it wasn't long before many people joined him. Many people joined him because God was putting it on the hearts of many people to separate from the crazy secular society, the immoral society, and that included the society of the church. It's such a shame because when we think about, like, let's just say you take a trip to Rome and you look at the beautiful cathedrals, the amazing basilicas all over France, all over Italy, 
and you think, wow, this is just the best that Christianity has to offer. This is just such incredible beauty. And I agree. They're amazing to see. And I'm always inspired to pray. Yet they were built during a time. I mean, it's not like America where the poor immigrants built these beautiful churches. In Rome and in all through Italy and France, when these places were built, it was after Christianity became legalized and then secularized and corrupted. And so it was the wealthy that were all about, you know, going to church. I mean, the poor win as well, but yeah, the wealthy built those cathedrals and very often there were a lot of politics behind the scenes and it's a shame. It's a shame. So we take the good with the bad and we ourselves strive to live uh, holy lives. We ourselves strive to be uh, faithful ourselves, regardless of what's going on around us. So anyway, Benedict started to found his own community and so many people joined him because they knew they needed this. And he started to reform the church by doing something new on the outside of what was already there. Of course, faithful to Rome, faithful to the teachings of Jesus and the church, faithful to doctrine, faithful to morals. So there's a story. There's so many great stories from his life. There was a story of, um, once again, people that hated him. He was taking away their workers. He was taking away their family members and they hated him. And then there were the other monks and they hated him. You know, the, the ones from the other monasteries or whatever had been there before him. And so there was this scene where they sent all these people to harass him. They sent prostitutes and, and just all these annoying people that were going to tempt the monks and try to draw them out and try to destroy the life that they were living. So he said, enough of this one day. And he took all the monks and he led them uh, across the desert and they went to the famous, what is now the famous monastery of Monte Cassino. This is, this is known as Benedict's official place of founding of his community, even though it was already founded at this point. And up this mountain of Monte Cassino, uh, there had been a castle where uh, there were witches and warlocks and they were worshiping Satan, essentially. And there were lots of what you could call miraculous things going on. There's certainly extraordinary phenomena. And it wasn't from the Lord. Horrible things were happening up there. And he just said, no, I claim this spot for Jesus Christ. I claim this spot for our monastery. And at this point, he had grown so close to the Lord. He had grown in so much holiness that he just, he was powerful. He was a powerful man in the Lord. And he went up the mountain with his monks and he prayed prayers of exorcism over this place. And like the building started to crumble, pieces started to fall off of it. And the monks or not the monks, the witches and warlocks came running out screaming and he kicked them out. Basically, he delivered the place of all evil. He got rid of all the warlocks and the witches. And, you know, they might have challenged him a little bit here and there. And he was victorious, similar to the stories of St. Patrick going into Ireland and the snakes leaving and all this kind of stuff, you know, challenging their pseudo religious leaders. And uh, so he took over Monte Cassino. This is why he's considered the greatest exorcist of all time. This is why we have St. Benedict medals that are very powerful and protecting us from the evil one that have prayers of exorcism on them. And so he went in there and they founded the great monastery of Monte Cassino. And, and it just continued now to build up this order and, and build up the whole monastic movement. Other monasteries were being founded all over the place after the model of what Benedict was doing. 
Um, in addition to monasteries for men, monasteries for women started to be founded. And one of the foundresses of this was Benedict's sister, Scholastica, who is now also a saint. And there's the famous story of the two of them. She, she was also following his example and being very successful. And there was a story where the monks and the nuns got together. And I think it was maybe for dinner. And she knew she was going to die soon. So she said to her brother Benedict, can we just stay here at the spot where they were having dinner? Can we just stay here and continue to talk throughout the night? Uh, because, you know, I really want to talk to you and I miss you. And this is so good for us to talk about holy things and, and just, you know, compare our lives together and see how we can learn from each other. And he said, sister, you're talking like mad women do. <laughs> what are you saying? I can't be outside of my cell for the evening. And she said, well, if you won't listen to me, I'm going to pray and God will. And so she and the sisters got together and they prayed. And then there was a horrible storm and they weren't able to leave all night. And Benedict said to his sister, sister, woman, what have you done? <laughs> and so they stayed there all night talking about holy things and praying together. And all the monks and all the nuns stayed there together. And then uh, the next day, Scholastica died. And she had gotten what she wanted from God before her death, some time spent with her brother in prayer and in conversation. So beautiful stories. And this led to such a richness in the church of spiritual tradition. When Pope Benedict XVI chose the name Benedict, he had said one of the reasons for this was he had a couple different reasons for picking the name Benedict, Cardinal Ratzinger, Joseph Ratzinger. Uh, but he picked the name Benedict largely because he was saying at the time that he believed the church desperately needs reform. And and Pope John Paul believed this as well before him. It's very, very difficult to reform the church from within. So Pope John Paul's emphasis was on traveling the world and especially evangelizing youth through World Youth Days. And building up new things like St. Paul going around. Paul is also a model of the papacy going around and founding new things. And, and Pope John Paul, St. John Paul called it the new evangelization. <clears throat> so Pope Benedict believed, and he had written about this, that the church needs to break away. You know, the true believers need to break away from the institutions that are corrupt and start new things. And especially in the spiritual tradition, and especially liturgically. So liturgically speaking, we need to break away. Sometimes the new things are the old things, such as the traditional mass. Sometimes new things, well, there there's new communities. There's also just retreats and retreat houses and centers of spirituality and prayer groups. <laughs> and so for our lives, you know, sometimes we get caught up in fighting battles at the parish level between new and old and weird and, and the, the good, the bad and the ugly. When in reality, what we need to be doing is maybe starting something new, starting a prayer group, starting a group, maybe where we learn about our faith, where we read holy books, where we strive to grow deeper in our own prayer life and strive to help others to do that as well. I'm getting into life coaching these days. I've taken a class. I'm going to get ready to take another class now. And it's something new. It's something different. Out of so many things happening in the church, it's something off to the side 
where people are saying, you know what, I'm looking for something deeper. I'm not finding it. Can you help me? And so, yes, you know, I, it's something I want to start doing. Uh, and mostly it's going to be online, you know, through zoom and, and things like that. FaceTime, uh, just, you know, coaching people to grow in their spiritual life, coaching people to go forward in life with the Lord, maybe in new and creative ways that will, um, you know, help them to grow in holiness. And, and through all this, it helps me as well. Uh, so it's wonderful uh, to talk about these things with all of you. Wonderful to learn about our faith and let us together, let's keep praying to each other. Let's turn to our lady who is the nurturer of our hearts in the ways of the Lord. Just as Benedict had Scholastica, Jesus had our lady and we all have our lady to, and, and of course all the saints to help us, to inspire us, to pray for us, that we may continue to keep Jesus as our center focus and continue to grow uh, more and more into the men and women that the Lord made us to be, and that is to be citizens of heaven, people who worship with all our hearts. Hope everybody has a great day. God bless you.